Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome in. It's Friday, Friday edition of the DNVR Avalanche podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use that promo code DNVR today. AJ's already laughing at me. Are you laughing at me or are you laughing at me? Is it the roll I never something know else. when it's mocking laughter or just something coincidentally happened. No, there's usually something that's bad. <laughs> I'm usually doing other things right up until the second that we go live. So, bro, there's uh, there's been a few times, and Yahir always sees on the on the little bottom screens. There's been a few times where I'm literally like running back to my seat at like two, <laughs> one, zero. Uh, there was one last week where I think he held the the transition screen for me because I wasn't quite back yet. Oh. Um, but like I said, it is Friday. This is the DNVR Avalanche podcast. I am hosting for today. My name is Jesse Montano, joined by Megan Angley and AJ Angley and AJ Hayfley. Uh, Rudo's got people digging around in his mouth right now. We thought he'd be done by now, but uh, he's at the dentist. It's just a whale of a way to say that. <laughs> he has people (laughs) digging around in his mouth like there's like a team of them like an army of midgets crawling around through his through his teeth well i don't know i mean i don't know he was in green mountain doesn't he he knows what's up yeah we've done it two three megan oh my god i'm sorry uh which it is both a whale of a way to say it and a weirdly accurate way of describing what's happening to him uh it works yeah (laughs) Uh, I'm driving the bus today. It is Q&A day, so we have a bunch of uh, your guys' questions from Twitter lined up. Obviously, as questions come up, you guys drop them in the chat. We're going to try to get to as many as possible. But like you guys always do, we ask for questions and you guys show up. So we have a lot. So I do apologize if we don't get to every last one. Uh, But we've got some good ones here to go through. I'm actually going to start with a question of my own for you two. Um, I would love to know what you guys think of untreated potholes. Because <laughs> I almost started raging yesterday in the car. You should have, uh, if I if I do it again next summer, when I drive down from Winnipeg to the border, I'll take a picture of the road next time. And you'll get to and you'll get to see what potholes really look like, <laughs> because they have. Uh, when I drove down, um, I don't know. I don't know why this is, but the the roads in Manitoba are not very well maintained compared to the roads in the states. Um, I've I've driven in like the tiniest sliver of Ontario. So I don't know. And, and like the tiniest sliver of BC. So I don't know how they all compare. If it's Canada wide or if it's just Manitoba. Exactly. If it's just Manitoba, but uh, Manitoban roads uh, are not very well maintained. Uh, And 
they when I was driving down to the border, uh, it's uh, two lanes. One lane is just totally shut down because there are gigantic pieces of the road that are just gone. Bro, I just don't get it. So I was I'm in the car yesterday and I hit two consecutively and like I'm in the office with other people. And so I won't yell it as loud as I did in the car. But I was just like, okay, okay, cool. And like, I, I just, it blows my mind. Like the people that work at CDOT, like they drive around on these same roads. And, and we're just like, yeah. no, no regard, blow a tire, who gives an F. That's that's one where it's like how much like bureaucratic red tape is involved in getting something like this taken care of. Right. Because like you don't know like it requires I imagine it requires people reporting this stuff and then right. that starts like a chain of command <laughs> process. So it goes through 17 departments yeah. before they finally get a, like the money approved and then the crew is hired and then the crew actually gets there 6 yeah. months later. <laughs> Because it's just such a, I, like, I imagine it's like this nightmare of a process it to just be, to be like, let's go fix a pothole or two. <laughs> What's crazy is it has to be a nightmare of a process, and I feel like it shouldn't be for how simple of an idea it should be. Like, yeah, scrape it, pour the asphalt, tamp yeah. it down, go home. Like, in theory, you should be able to do those all day. I'm I'm serious. Like, there's a couple outside my neighborhood. I'm about ready to just go get a can of Clear Flex Seal and just go fill them in myself. Look, dude, I watched Ron Ron Swanson met his his <laughs> eventual wife doing exactly this. He just decided to do it. So, <laughs> yeah. And look what um, happened. He met he met he met his lady that way. So. Yeah, it, it all works out. So, I guess you're right. The moral of the story is. Go out and fix your local neighborhood potholes. Go and fix your own potholes. If you were if you were that mad about it, you'd be doing something about it and not sitting on this pot whining. Like I said, I I, I might just have to go buy a. I, I am. I'm gonna get a can of Flex Seal. If they can make a boat out of it. I can fill a pothole with it. I know that for sure. Uh, and just yeah, take matters into my own hands. Or there was the guy on Twitter who was um, spray painting explicit male images around potholes until the city came out and fixed them. I uh, thought was also funny. I wonder if that, I wonder if that sped up that process. <laughs> a few people stamped that thing with a yes, because they were like, we got to get rid of that. We have to go cover that up. Uh, let's get into the questions that actually matter. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, I love potholes. You didn't ask. You I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. They're absolutely oh, horrible. Okay, well, this is what the conversation, this podcast is about now. I was really, really nervous when you were like, I've got something to say about potholes, where it was like, was there something that used to live in them that you collected? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, where were we about to head with these potholes? No, Actually, no, no. my brother works in the department of potholes at, <laughs> at CDOT, and you guys don't even know. Like, I, I, I thought we were like, I, I hope that there is a dude who has a job in the department of potholes. I hope that's real. If I ever get into office, which I don't know why I would, um, <laughs> I'm 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 starting a commission to get that that the Department of Potholes, D O P H. The doc. And they have and they have like a tip line. Yeah. <laughs> Report a pothole. Tell us where it is. <laughs> what are your cross streets? 
I know when you have a pothole scouting team that goes out and tells you, and it rates the pothole damage one to ten. <laughs> We're just yeah. gonna skip all this red tape. We're just gonna have a department of potholes. I tell you what, this pod, this pod should get voted into office. <laughs> we can fix the world. I love the tip line. And if nothing else, we can fix the potholes. Um, we can hire the people to fix the potholes. Yeah, I don't know about two C on the apps, but I do know about the potholes. <laughs> I I will tell you I think it would be a lot of fun to watch the four of us try and go fix potholes like physically like go out there and be like all right guys let's do this like so one like, of us has like a YouTube how to video popped open we're like huh. since we're already in this room uh well no just like because I was sitting here I was like maybe we we'll just yeah we'll just go out and fill the potholes with like a funny little content joke can you get in trouble for doing that. Only if you get caught. Well, I mean, if we filmed it and put it on YouTube uh, and like branded it DNVR, that would probably be a good way to get caught. I I love the thought process. I love that. that was learning more answer. about Megan all the time and the fact that that was her default response. Quickly to, too, like you had that at the tip of your tongue. Right. Like it's <laughs> like okay, is this a thing we're allowed to do? And it's like, oh, is this bad? And it's like, well, if, if you get caught for it, then it could be. <laughs> if you don't get caught, then it doesn't really matter. But like, yeah, I just, I would love for us to like, to wrap off, wrap up the summer content with the four of us going and muddling our way through filling a pothole. I just don't know who might get mad at you for that. <laughs> next, next year, what we should do is we should open all of our August shows with a special pot intro of us filling a pothole and not saying anything. And then one of us turns to the camera and goes, August. <laughs> is what it is. Okay, let's actually do this. Because actually, the first question I've got here is great. I love it. Um, at just do it 10, as an optimist, what are your expectations for this season? And as a pessimist, what is your worst case scenario for the season as well? Boy, mine are the mine are pretty extreme. Okay, I'll tell you uh, what. Before we get to the extreme, Megan, do you have a do you have a positive? Do you have an optimistic uh, expectation for the season? Um, I guess too. Like, does it have to be a realistic, optimistic take? Because I still think it's conceivable the Avs could win another Stanley Cup. Yeah. So. I don't I think like it's so outside yeah. the realm of possibility that I say that's totally. my ceiling. And yeah. then the optimistic one, that could go a lot of different ways. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm seeing the pessimistic view as a first round exit. I love that. Yeah, no, I, I think I'm honestly probably pretty in line with you. I, I don't think it's out of the realm at all for them to uh, go back to back. AJ, you got some extremes. Yeah, I think uh, I think the optimist best case here is they go back to back. One of McKinnon or McCarr wins the heart. Uh, McCarr mm. adds another Norris. You know, like like it's it's hardware season in Colorado, not just Cup season. You know, like they go to the NHL yeah. awards and it's just like an avalanche of awards. <laughs> so you know, like it's it's that kind of like I think that's the optimistic take is. You get a Norris, you get you get a Hart, you get an Art Ross. Uh, you know, the, that guy, one of those guys goes on to win the Conn Smythe, and you have a, you have a repeat, and you're trying to build towards a dynasty. Like, 
I think that's the optimist. That's where you're like, hey, this would be a best case scenario, but that I don't think it's like a, a huge leap to get there. Right. I think it's realistic. I think it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those. Well, it's like it's it's a thing where you're like probably long odds for yeah. all of those things to happen. Sure. But it's absolutely a thing that would be in play where, hey, while we're at it, add in a president, another president's trophy. Hey, your president, sure. you win the president's trophy and then you win the cup. Like yeah. do, do all of the things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that, you know, I think that's probably the big. The the optimism uh, for me, when I say extremes, I say pessimism, you suffer a major injury, your goaltending tandem can't get the job done. You miss the postseason entirely. Mm-hmm. The central yeah. ends up being just a little bit more competitive. The the Jets make a make enough of a step forward under Rick Bonus, where all the all the chaos of their locker room uh, turns into cohesion, and they, you know, they take a step forward. They're more competitive. The stars are still there. Nashville, uh, Minnesota, St. Louis, all those teams continue to continue to be competitive, and the the Avs goaltending tandem collapses into itself like a dying star and they learn the hard way that goalies matter. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, I think that's, I think that should be like, and, and to miss the postseason, I do think not only would it have to be goalies being bad, but also a major injury along the way because yeah. goalies being bad is a thing that they could fix. Like right. that's a thing that in season they could go out and be like, Hey, we're going to go get a guy. But if they right. go and get a guy, and there's a major injury as well. I think because I think that's probably your worst case. As as if you were the pessimist trying to trying to poke holes, they never find a two C. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that hole there uh, crushes the balance of their lineup, and it becomes too top heavy once again. Um, Nachushkin and Lekkinen don't live up to the new deals. Uh, and then at the end of the year, Nathan McKinnon walks in free agency and you go from thinking you're on the precipice of a potential dynasty or being a defining team of a, of a, of a generation. And it all falls into itself within a 12 month period. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I think what you just laid out there is, I mean, that's like your worst, worst, worst yeah. case. That's every, that's, that's stuff going Everything wrong, went wrong every week. Like every every time you wake up, something new is going wrong. So I saw someone put in here that McKinnon makes it to market. And, and like, I, I'm just going to put out there, for me, I, I, that's something that if Nathan McKinnon went to market and actually left in UFA, that's something that I would be legitimately, legitimately floored and surprised by. That's something that would, uh, I, I just, I, I, I don't, I would be literally blown away if that happened. But again, like you're sitting here and saying, yeah, for being pessimistic, wouldn't be great. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, I think that's, I think that's ultra, ultra, everything goes, goes wrong. Yeah. Again, it's and like, like impossible. If, if some of that stuff, if half of those things happen, you still like, that's where the first round exit comes. Right. Out, uh, and like, that's, and that's what I was, just about to say was I think if you're, if you're talking about even just like an average season where you've got your average ups and downs, you know, injuries that you deal with, you know, if you just have a regular season um, yeah, I'm with you guys. I think that's where kind of the first round exit thing comes in as as the low end. But um, I think AJ just kind of laid out two scenarios that 
are on the far end of the spectrum that are the spectrum being like, this is something that's not out of the realm of possibility. Well, and like, but what's what should be heartening to people is that the abs are a lot closer to the optimist scenario than the pessimist scenario. Mm-hmm. They're a lot of bad breaks and a lot of things happening away from the pessimist scenario. The optimist scenario is kind of kind of what they just did. Yeah. Well, so, and, and... you know, like that's that's where you're like, there's a there's a roadmap that they just have to walk again. I, I was going to say, they you really just did it. You've almost just got to like walk it back for the optimist or run it back for the optimist side and the pessimist side. It's got to really uh, it's got to really go bad. Um, at Chris missed, but <laughs> oh my god, oh my god, <laughs> got here just immediately. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna need you to send that to me out here because that's gonna be yeah. my new profile picture on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, for those of you listening to just the audio version of this pod, uh, Yahir found uh, uh, a, a nice photo of a, a, a nice pothole construction crew and put our cartoon face on, featuring Megan's cartoon <laughs> face. I have a face. She has a face. That was that's I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> like as happy as I am that we got Megan's cartoon done, the running bit of just writing Megan on different people <laughs> would have been really funny. I do Dude. think it's so funny, and we still can. <laughs> oh my god, that's that's so funny. That's absolutely hilarious. Well uh done, you out here. <laughs> Who from the Eagles do you think can come up and make a legitimate impact even as far as to can they stay with the team? Um, who do you guys think from the Eagles? Is there, and I guess let me, let me kind of modify this. Is there anyone with the way that this abs roster is built? Do either of you seeing someone being able to crack this roster full-time? Not in my opinion, unless there's an injury to the current forward group. I think it's pretty bogged down. And if there was opportunity as like the 13th man, they wouldn't have a huge role. Um, and it would only come about through injury, in my opinion. And it would be someone like Maltsev or Kaut, ideally. And hopefully mm-hmm. that would come about in favor of someone like Megna or Hudon. Um, because I do think that a Maltsev or a Kaut, like it's the last and final look that they'll get. And I think they're yeah. ready to, as ready as they'll ever be. So. I think anything can happen through camp, but I just really find it. I'm hard pressed to see a room for, because the players on the Eagles that could do it are wingers. And that's where the outs, I just don't think need anybody right now. Maltsev can play. Like Bowers. What? So what about a guy like Bowers? I mean, talk about, talk about getting your last, your last shot. I mean, like the look on AJ's face is like not even close. It, you know, if this was a completely different Avalanche team that isn't off on the heels of a cup win, there might have been opportunity, and there was in the past. And I think that window has closed, unfortunately, because now this is a forward group that's harder to crack than ever. It's so competitive, and there just aren't really many opportunities for him. Even the role Bowers plays for the Eagles is predominantly on wing, and so I don't even have confidence that he could be a center up with the Avs at this point. And I hate mm. saying that. It's it's really opportunity yeah. with Bowers too. Like I just don't think it's there anymore. Yeah. Um, it's not even a testament to his skill level 
which is just untested. I really couldn't tell you how he would fit in an NHL lineup because we've never seen it. But I just don't see that opportunity open to him anymore. Mm-hmm. Let alone him over somebody else like a Maltsev or like a Cow. Yeah. Exactly. Um, AJ. Yeah, I was going to say, AJ, anything to add on that? Or you, your face seems like you, you kind of just agreed? No, I mean, I just feel like um, I, I don't get it with Bowers. Honestly, his speed, his polish, his smarts. I don't understand what the issue is. I, you want to tell me that you have more confidence that Charles Udon or An, uh, Anton Bleed can go mm-hmm. in and do do a certain job, and you don't think Shane Bowers can? I, I guess I just don't get it. Yeah, you know when you're talking about like a fourth line thing, it's 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 more that I think they've moved on than what what my personal opinion of what a guy can do because i think i agree with megan's original answer of no <laughs> because i just don't i don't think that maltsev kaut bow i just i don't think ranta i just don't think they're gonna get the looks i don't have that faith well, i just... don't trust that that those are gonna be the guys they prioritize to give right. those minutes to and i just don't i i guess i just don't understand it well, um, it, like to me, it's one of those things where unless you see a significant step from one of those, one of those names that, you know, we, you just listed there, AJ, uh, you know, Calt, Malta, Bowers, Ranta, unless you see a legitimate step, I, I just, I, I just don't know if the, I, I just don't know if they're NHL players in terms of how the abs, I just don't know if the abs see them as NHL guys at this point. Obviously, Ranta, a little bit younger. Yeah, um, than, he, has, than, he certainly has a different. He's in a different situation yeah. than those other guys. Yeah, um, but but you are wondering, like, what is the step that you're looking for? Right. Like, are you looking for them to consistently like dominate the AHL, or are you looking from for them to be good players? Like, I would be really curious to sit down with like a a, a Willsey or a Billington uh, and, and ask like. What do you need to see from these guys to say mm-hmm. these guys get first crack at this, right? And and then actually get a look in the NHL and not, you know, Nicholas Abe Kubel showed up and got opportunity immediately, sight unseen, and it was just like how it's so odd to me that a guy like that gets claimed and immediately Bedner's like, hey, we got to see what this guy can do for us. So we got to put him in situations and try him. That part of it makes sense, but they don't do that internally very often mm-hmm. unless they are really high end guys. Right. You know, the, I think the next really interesting litmus test here is both the combination of new hook and Myers this year. What trust do yeah. they give those guys to expand their roles as the year goes on? Cause if well, they I'm- never give new hook, any kind of a look with even even a consistent middle six job, then you're like, like this guy scored thirty some odd points for you last year. Are you going to mm-hmm. give him a chance to expand his role, or are you already like relegating him to your JT Confer replacement when Confer hits the open market next summer? So 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 I'm actually going to transition us to the next our next question right off of that because it's tied into all of that. Perfect. Um, from Martin Latane. Good friend of the pod, long time listener. Yeah, he's dude, he's been sending in questions since the BSN days. Uh, Shout out now, his family, man. They've had a tough time in the last month. 
Really? Yeah, dude. Yeah. I mean, seriously, Mar Martin's always been so awesome to the pod. He's always been great listener, uh, always been active. So yeah, big, big shout out to them. Yeah. Um, all love to those guys. They're great. Yeah. Thought, thinking about you guys, all that stuff. Part of the, part of the DNVR family as much as anyone else. So has a uh, BSN Denver tattoo. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, maybe even more part of the family than <laughs> most. I don't uh, even have a BSN Denver tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now that it very much appears the abs will be trying to fill the two C spot internally. Which option do you like better? Rantanen, Landeskog, uh, JT Comfort, or give Newhook a month or two and see what he's got. I've actually, my my whole theory right now, or my thought on it is, I, I think they they start the season with Newhook and you start sprinkling in that upped response, or excuse me, I'm sorry. You start the season with Ranton in there and then you start sprinkling in that added responsibility for Newhook. And to me, this season with the moves that they've decided to make or not make, however you want to look at it, this season to me needs to be about figuring out if and developing Alex Newhook into that 2C role. You, you have Landis Gog, you've got Ranton in as a little bit of a buffer who can help. I think that's how I see this. If you're, if you're going to go internally, you need to start putting yourself in a position to to have that successor at the 2C spot and not just the short-term Band-Aids. That's kind of how I see it. How do you guys see it? I think the start of the season is as good a time as any to give Newhook that look um, just because the stakes are a bit lower and there's a feeling out period, especially in preseason. Um, they'll get a good look at it. So I think that's the first option to start with. To, to rule it out or see if it is a viable option moving forward because I do see Rantanen being a a solid plan B for if something like Newhook doesn't pan out the way that they would hope. Yeah. None of it's a completely ideal situation either, but it just doesn't feel like they're in a rush to fill that with a different external solution at the start of the season. So I don't think they mm -hmm. need to have that answered by then. Love that answer. AJ? You know, this entire offseason, um, I've kind of talked about how it doesn't seem likely, in my mind anyway, that they're going to go from a guy that they were healthy scratching at the start of the postseason last year um, and a guy that even when he was in the lineup, they just didn't give a ton of responsibility to uh, as the postseason wore on. And, and a guy in his defense who played a lot more hockey than he ever had last year uh, and, yeah. and looked a little worn down uh, by the end of it. Uh, but I, it, it's hard for me to believe that they're going to give him that look right away. In my opinion, he's your most dynamic talent in your middle six that, that's sitting there without a defined role. Uh, you drafted him in the first round in part because you believed he could do this exact job for you yeah. uh, eventually. And, uh, you knew that the timelines of Newhook's ascent and Kadri's departure were lining up in such a way, and to me, it just seems like if I can if if I can just block out what happened last year and look at just this year as a fresh hey, this is a new yeah. year, yeah. new team, new expectations, new roles, all of that. It should be Alex Newhook's job to lose at the start of the year. And again, this is me saying I don't necessarily have the confidence that 
they will view it that way. Right. But that makes the most sense to me. I understand where they would be coming from with the JT Confer, who I think is, I think he's the likeliest guy to start there. I think so. Hmm. Um, I don't think it's Rantanen. I, I really don't. Uh, defensively, uh, Jared Bednar is going to know this better than anybody on the planet, but uh, Miko Rantanen doesn't play with the level of defensive engagement on a consistent enough basis to pass as a long-term center, which is one of the reasons why he's not a goddamn center. You know, <laughs> you can you can get away with his effort and kind of his his give-a-shit meter waxing and waning like the cycles of the damn moon. You know, you can get away with that when he's your right wing. But when you're when you're the center, you're a full time center. This is not spot duty. This is not, hey, give us a give us a week of this. Give us two weeks of this. It's this is your job now. This is who you are. This is your life. Um, for me, it's I just don't I don't think that's a realistic option. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, just given who the player is, if he comes in and he completely changes who he has been especially given last year's ultra, ultra trend of there are some games where Miko just coasts. You know, if he if he breaks out of that, then I think that, you know, anything could be on the table. But you're asking it to me, you're asking a guy to be somebody that he's just not and something that he's just not. And uh in one way you can argue that hey that's how you develop players that's how you push them to get better is that you put them in uncomfortable spots and let them do that but um it's really just you're you're talking about taking a guy who is a point per game player one of the league's elite right wings and hoping that he's a solid second line center it feels like you're just making yourself a little bit worse cuz you're being stubborn here and so for me, I don't want, I, I just, I, I don't mind the spot duty thing. I just, I don't mind that. Like, that's fine. I don't mind mm -hmm. like, Hey, there's an injury. We need you to get us through a week or whatever, but yeah, it's a very he's, different he's thing. To good be enough. Like, he's good enough a, in the middle that you can get away with that. Yeah. You could, you can like, but when you get into a postseason, you're not doing that. You want a center. You want a guy, you want a guy that's out there that does that job that understands all the ins and outs of that job, you know, all 200 feet of the ice is comfortable in that job. And that's not Miko. And that's and been so that, Alex Newhook his whole life. And that's, and so that's where I'm like, give the, give it to the kid, let him play with the defensively responsible guy, like an Achushkin or a Lekkinen, mm -hmm. put him with a Rantanen on his right side to really open up the playmaking and let those guys, let their offensive creativity vibe with each other. Then you have a really good third banana that is your defensive conscious of that line in, in Nachushkin or Lekkonen. You have a good, well-rounded, like poor man's version of your top line. Mm -hmm. And it, it fits your identity. The pieces fit together. For me, it's just the obvious answer. It always has been the obvious answer. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that this is the case. I've been really not... I haven't pushed it all summer because I just didn't think they were going to do it. But the more that they don't bring somebody in, the more that the market continues to dry up with options, the more that they're just sitting here. It's like they know JT Confer is not a 2C. 
He might start there, well, but and, there's no way. There's no right. way that's their real plan. And so, the, and so this is my thing because again, I, I, I just think I think we collectively forget how young Newhook still is in his NHL career. Like he came in in that postseason, <clears throat> played a few games before he got hurt. And then last year was his rookie year. And AJ, you, you, you make a, you make a great point that people forget all the time. It, the NHL is the most games. It's the most games of any league. It's the most intense practice schedule. It's the most rigorous travel. I agree with you. Alex Newhook, I thought looked a little worn down by the end of the year. I, I thought his game wasn't, it wasn't popping off the ice the way that it was earlier in the season. And that's why I, I really do. Cause I, I, you just, you just won't convince me that they drafted this kid in the first round with the intention of him being a two C and don't have some type of roadmap to get him there, whether it's, you know, dropping him in the deep end opening night this year, or, you know, using a combination of the three other guys that were in the question, Landis, Gog, Miko, Comfer, you know, to kind of help ramp in, ramp him into that. And then, you know, by all-star break, Alex Newhook is your two C. Like, I just, I can't imagine that, they don't have some type of plan like that. Cause if you don't, then that really circles back into the, what are you doing in terms of development here? How, how are you punting on this kid after a year? I, I just, I, you'd have to hope that there is some type of plan that you want to end this season or at bare minimum be going into next season saying this kid either is or is not our two C we know for sure because like you said, AJ, that's why you used a first-round pick on him. Because you thought, here's the kid that can come in behind Nathan McKinnon. You have to have a roadmap for that. You have to, just one way or the other. I think he's destined to have a, sim a similar season as last if he's not given increased opportunity. Because I think some of what held him back was opportunity alongside an Abe Kubel or a Comfort. And if he is given an increased role alongside people like Alekhanin or Nachushkin, I think we can really see what he's capable of and mm -hmm. better determine his fate. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great point. And AJ mentioned the name earlier and I meant to say something. No, it's a great point, Megan. Like, you have, you have the players to put with him to, like, shelter, shelter him, yet simultaneously kind of, like, throwing him into the lion's den. Like, you've got the, you've got the players to help him out. Um, if you really, really, really wanted to baby him a little bit, you'd put him with Nachushkin and Lekanen. Right, right. Which <laughs> I think, I think it's it's not a good idea. Uh, I think that unbalances uh, your lineup a little more than I'd like. But if you're trying to protect him, right, it's a good way to do it. P point being, you can do it if yep. you want. Um. All right. Well, <laughs> great question so far. Uh, great conversation, honestly. This is the DNVR Avalanche podcast brought to you by DraftKings. Also brought to you guys by our great friends. I was actually just having a long conversation with someone about Ivaca uh, earlier. <laughs> actually, I was talking to two people. By the time I was leaving, they were like, yeah, cool. We're both doing that. That's like the biggest no-brainer ever. Uh, Ivaca is the new GOAT in Colorado sports. It's the greatest of all TV. Uh, delivers amped up sports coverage for Colorado fans. They feature altitude, which 
I could really just stop the read right there, and it's enough reason to go get it. Uh, AT&T Sportsnet, they've got NFL Network. Uh, you can get the most from all of the regional content that you want at the lowest price for sports in Colorado. And I mention this every time when you are using devices like this that, that uh, stream over the internet, it is crystal clear. The picture is better than what you get on cable. Uh, in addition to all those local sports channels, you are also going to get over 60 entertainment channels, including news, movies, all that stuff. Um, it's only 25 bucks. Ivaca TV is only $25 a month plus a $5 receiver. And right now, Colorado sports fans can get $10 off per month for your first three months. So that's essentially $20 a month for the first three months, including the receiver. Uh, to get that deal, go to evaca.tv slash Colorado 10, E-V-O-C-A dot TV slash Colorado 10. No contracts, no catches. Evaca is TV made for champions and champions of the remote. Also to remind you guys about our great friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, they're throwing a hoot nanny. They're turning 32. Their birthday's coming up. And to celebrate, Breck Brewers throwing a weekend-long hoot nanny. Uh, kick off the fall with live music, food, beer, of course. Uh, and games October 8th and 9th at their Littleton location. Uh, they've got national acts like Spin Doctors and local favorites like Railroad, Earth, Rocking Out. So stay tuned to everything. DNVR for <laughs> hoot nanny that. giveaways. Whoops. Spin Doctors is, is is still a national act. That's right because they are. You, you hear the first three notes of Two Princes and everybody in the world's like, ah! <laughs> they could get up and play 30 minutes of just that song and it would be a dope set. And you'd be good. Uh, yeah. check, check out the link uh, in the description uh, or breckbrew.com for more information and details. Uh, tickets, artist lineups, all that stuff. And I'm sure we will be talking way, way, way more about it uh, as we get closer. DNVR Avalanche podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Jesse, Megan, AJ, taking your guys' questions. Um, like I said, I think, I think we, we've only gone through a few, but I think we've had some good conversation here. They've been good questions. Um, here's one from at Stephen W. McComb one. Is there any NHL rule that would prevent a team from signing a female player, like say Hillary Knight for a KHL style deal, two years, $4 million. How big would a GM's set have to be uh, to do so? How big are McFarland's? So <laughs> I'll answer the first part of this. No, there is no rule that says you can't sign a female player. Uh, throughout the NHL's history, there have been multiple females uh, who have been invited to camps, um, PTO type stuff. Haley Wickenheiser, I know, skated in a Philadelphia Flyers training camp. Um, uh, I can't, was it Michelle Malrayon? I can't remember her first name. Um, actually played in an NHL preseason game with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, so it is possible. It just has never been done. I don't understand the KHL style deal part of it. I didn't really two, get that two, either. Two years, $4 million just sounds like a bridge deal. Uh, yeah. Also, you would really just give her, like, at this, uh, using Hillary Knight as the example, I think she's past ELC age. Mm. Uh, so you would just give her a, 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 a year, like, just like a one year, whatever salary. Yeah. Um, 
I would say there's no need to go four million dollars. Yeah, two by two. Yeah, um, like on 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 like a second contract. Now we're talking, but right. Let's see how she does first. But no, I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing stopping them. Um, I mean, there have been there have been times where I remember uh, the sixteen seventeen abs. I was like openly wondering. I'm like, you mean to tell me that there aren't some players between the Canadian and United right. States national women's teams that would not be able to outperform what Gabe Bork is doing for the abs on this team? Like, also, are you like, kidding me with this? Like, especially on that team. Like, to your point, like some of the players that were on that roster, it's like I'm. I'm sure Marie Philippe Poulin is at least at, at least in this realm, like above replacement. Like, well, and it's like, you're, t- you're talking like, this is no offense to Gabe Bork, of course, but like, right. well, it's, yeah. you're, you're, you're talking about a guy that is like a bottom, bottom, bottom barrel NHL player. And that's only because teams keep giving him jobs. Like they kept giving him bottom barrel jobs. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, what's the deal here? You mean to tell me that that the very like among the 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 elite players now the physicality of the game would be different, right? And I think that's where you have a conversation where you're like, it's not. Uh, I, I Kendall Coyne was actually the one that uh, I was actually having this conversation actually about a couple years ago because I was like, you mean to right. tell me that on a fourth line. Killing penalties, she wouldn't right. be able to. She wouldn't be able to help you with that kind of speed, like flying up and down the ice like that. She wouldn't be able to put some pressure on some defenses. Mm-hmm. Like now, I, I just that's that's where I'm just like like come on. Yeah, the, you mean the, to tell me that you don't think a single one of these women wouldn't be able to help an NHL team? It right. blows my mind because you watch them and you're like at the top of the women's game. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. Um. To me, the, the 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 I don't know the the physical nature of the sport, and not even necessarily like the hitting, but just like a lot of the the top top female players. Um, you know, Hillary Knight's an exception, but like they, they just they just don't have much size. Yeah, and and I I've always felt that because I I agree with you, especially when you're talking about like the top of the elite. That that will always just be the one, and there's nothing you can do about that. Yeah, Johnny um, Cattro's not big. Martin St. Louis I, I, wasn't I, I, very no, big. I, I know, but, but I'm... I, Cole I'm, Caulfield, Alex DeBridcat. Like, I, we're I, in an era of small players succeeding, is what I'm saying. I know, like, I know. This I is know. the best time. This is, this is like, maybe the best time to really give it a shot. I understood in, like, <laughs> like when we were you're watching I, Unrivaled, where you're like, I get it. Well, That's no, not, not the even, league anymore, though, you know? I know. But but I'm not even I'm not even talking about that. I, I'm just and 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 again like I I'm speaking scientifically here. And someone tell me if I'm. Ta- I, I just the 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 strength is something that would always that will always be. You know it, it, it's always going to be something tough to overcome. Um, because because you're not wrong. There's undersized players. Again, I, I think there's plenty of those. Uh, again, especially between U.S. and Canada. There are plenty of players who I think have the skill and the speed. You're, there's always just going to be the the question mark of of strength and physicality. Yeah, and I like I think that there's a handful of players that you could make an argument. You say, hey, let's give them give them a whirl. 
Give them a right. real training camp gig. Yeah. Uh, give them a PTO in a training camp and see how it goes in the preseason. Right. And if it doesn't and like work I said, out. I know Haley, Haley Wickenheiser did that like, with the Flyers, and she was the most prominent. Like, she, I think she lasted in camp, you know, before they uh, cut her or whatever they did. Um, but I think she hung around for a bit. So I, I'm with you. Like, I, I just don't think it, I don't think it hurts to at least, yeah, start giving a, give a PTO, get a couple, just come out and again, how many fucking sets of siblings do the abs have? You tell me there isn't <laughs> a, a skate, uh, a camp, uh, you know, can you have them out at dev camp? You know, like I, I just, I don't see why there isn't it at least, no, bring them to rookie camp and see how it goes. Right, like, right. Go to the uh, showcase look, with put, one of them. Put them in the like, tournament, just... but that has always kind of been my thing is, is there is always just going to be a and gap. Don't, and don't treat it like some novelty. Like, give give, give no. one of them a chance. I, yeah. For me, I'm just like, look, there are so many bad NHL players at the bottom of rosters. I'm not saying I'm not saying that you you need to invite all of them or anything. Like, you have, you have Kevin in the comments saying you guys can't be serious. I'm not. I'm not saying I'm putting a team of them together, a team of women together against an NHL team. I'm saying, at the very top of those rosters, you watch them play, and you can't tell me that that a couple a couple of those women would be out of place at, at, on an NHL roster with a role somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. think about how limited so many role players' jobs are. Literally, guys get paid every year to go out. And not make mistakes. And it's, I, I don't know. For me, I'm just like, I, look, I, until, until, until it gets tried, until, until somebody really gives it a whirl. Like, it's not a matter of zero chance a woman could ever make it in full contact for some, this is the shit that blows me away where I'm just like, yeah. look at it. Like Alex DeBrincat is it, like exists. Mm-hmm. Like, there are small, there are small players, and like those are really high skill guys. Well, well, so so let me give you let me give you one more that would maybe be, and then Megan, I want I want your input on this too, obviously. But like I, I look at a guy like Rocco Grimaldi, because again, like I, I really do like I I, I think good. that That's the strength and physicality is something that that you can't like you can't ignore. It's unfortunate. It's it's a real part of this. But like you look at a guy like Rocco Grimaldi, who he, he's he's my size. Five seven, five eight, depending on how stand up, how how tall you stand up straight at the doctor's office, right? Um, <laughs> he's a small guy. He weighs right in the range that I do, and yeah, he's only played a couple full seasons in the NHL. But that dude's been a pro hockey player for years and years and years. Effective. I I, I he had a thirty point season in the NHL like three right. years ago. Right. Yeah, and, and and so yeah, I don't know. I. I I think it's possible. I, I think one day we will see it. Um, I think the place where you probably can guess that it would start, if you had to put money, it's probably in net. Probably in net to kind of like break that barrier through. Um, but I, I, I think it's possible. And I actually do think it's something that we see at some point, um, whether it be, a, like you said, a full PTO, a preseason, whatever. Um yeah. Megan, I want your I want your thoughts on all this. I I don't think I'm ready to have this conversation. I'm not loving um not what our conversation looks like, but I'm seeing the reaction in chat. I don't think we're ready to have this conversation seriously yet, at least in good faith. So I'm gonna think on this a little bit more. 
Um, and maybe at a later date, I'll weigh in. Not loving the vibes we've created. Not we've created in the studio. No, I, no, I, know, I know what you mean. It's, 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 it's the comments like the one where it's the blanket statement of it'll never happen. It's like, like what a joke. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's. Go ahead. I just, what happened? What happens when Jacob Truba steps up for a clean That's hit and hits? And what do you mean? What happens? The same thing that happens to every all right. the other players. Right. They're in the, if they're in the league, like they like, and that's where the hey, this is just like this. This is the concern. It's the it's the same concern you have with Rocco Grimaldi, right, right, and Alex DeBrincat right. and, and Martin Saint Louis his entire career, like, right, like yeah. yeah, like you're worried about that, but do you think that they can help your team or not? And for me, I'm just like I think that there might be a couple of them, a couple women out there that could and. I would love to see them give it, give it an opportunity, and you know, if they if they go on to be successful, then half of our chat, I guess, has to shut up forever. Well, and my and if thing they too, aren't, then I, I get to be wrong about it, which I'm I'm wrong about shit all the time. So yeah, but I, I, I don't day I don't, in the life. I don't think you'll be wrong about that, and and the reason is. And to me, this is honestly why it's so important. It's so important that the PHF and NWHL figure out yeah. whatever it is that they've got going on. Those two leagues, you need to be, there, there needs to be somewhere for young female hockey players to look up to. And right now there's so much divisiveness and there's such a hard fraction in between those two leagues that like it's hard for a little girl who's going into hockey to be able to look somewhere and say like, that's what I want to do. Once those leagues can establish themselves and young girls who are getting into hockey can look at it, not just as, wow, maybe I can turn this into a, a, you know, a free education or, you know, that's the max it can go. The Olympics, you can't make money on it. Once you have little girls who, who can see that the, the, women's hockey is going to get better. Youth hockey for, for girls is going to get better and you will eventually have someone break through. Absolute. Again, seriously, in, in our lifetime, I would say before I'm 50, I would be, I would actually be surprised if there isn't an NHL team that does this to some extent, or I just saw in a comment, maybe it's at the AHL level. I mean, if they can help your AHL team too, like right. that's fine. And, and people talk about yeah, that a lot, win, in right? that, that for things to change, it has to start at the lower levels. And again, I so apologize. I can't think of her name, but the girl that's playing uh, in net, I believe it's in the queue right now. Like that's the type of stuff that, that once you start seeing that happen in the lower levels, it just, again, now there's girls who are involved in hockey who are seeing that this is something that's realistic for me. And, and every time you have that new kind of benchmark set, it'll continue to move. The level of play will elevate the money that goes into women's hockey will elevate and you will end up with at bare minimum, a player or two from the female circuit who will at least be good enough to, to get on a PTO to get into the AHL. And then it just, it all just goes from there. I would actually be surprised I, if that didn't happen. I do want to address Dylan, uh, Dylan Howard has a comment asking, uh, is it likelier to happen in the NHL than the AHL? Cause the AHL is too goony. And I think that that's a really, it's a really good perspective, but I will say that the, the AHL has, 
really started to transition into a much more development skill and speed type of league Thank you for the name and of has moved out a lot of the goonery a lot of that is now shifted down into the echl where mm -hmm. there's a lot more of the a lot more of the really chaotic old school hockey brawler types um i will say it, it, that would be a concern the hl still has a lot of headhunting going on in it it's yeah, less but... than it used to be um and by the time by the time that this that that we're talking about something like this actually coming to fruition. Maybe it's not that kind of league at all. And it's like the NHL where it's a lot more of, uh, you know, it's a lot more of a, a skill speed development, like a true one. And there aren't teams that are still out there, um, you know, paying headhunters every single year for jobs. Uh, but I, I do think that I just wanted to touch on that point that the yeah. HL certainly used to be that league. Uh, but the trickle-down effect of, hey, these guys aren't helping our AHL teams anymore. They're not getting our, our – they're not – like, these roster spots are going to waste every year for right. no reason. We're not developing these guys. We're not bringing them to the NHL. They're not doing anything. Um, so I would say that as the AHL continues to grow up and away from that, uh, that kind of scene, because it still does happen, but it's not nearly as prevalent as it used to be. Like when I was going to Arrows games, like that was a big, you know, but Fight Night at Toyota Center was a pretty, uh, pretty common thing. Um, so I would say as that continues to transition, that you know, you, you might have that conversation. One nice positive transition for the AHL conversation too is a former Avalanche ice girl who's actually an official in the AHL right now, yeah. Samantha Hitler, which is a pretty lot. cool story. That has been a big thing. A lot of women coming to the officiating ranks. Well, and, and see, that's actually why, and then we can move on after this. Uh, yeah. That's actually why I think that I expect it to happen at some point. Again, I'm not saying it's gonna, you're not going to see it at this year or whatever, but like, I, I do expect it to happen. Well, I don't think it'll happen is... in mass. Like, I, I, don't, you know, I don't think 12 women right. are going to dot NHL rosters. Um, well, but, but it's because like, of what you said there, and it's still a work in progress, but that's just where the game is going at all levels. It's going to skill. It's going to speed. Yeah. Um, you know, the physicality will always be there. It's, it's just a, a natural part of the sport. Even if you're full on trying to avoid it, th there's going to be, you know, physicality and stuff. But I, I just think that's where the game is going. And I really do. I just think that there are young girls out there who have access to all kinds of video and all kinds of, you know, people on, on the internet and, and, and coaches and, and all kinds of stuff. And you will see someone come up through the ranks who is skilled, who is fast, um, you know, who, who's average, you know, an average build um, that I think will, will start to break through that. And, and it's just, it's silly to think that that will never change. That's, it's just, there's a lot of adjectives for that. Um, it'll happen. And the first, the first GM that'll do it to answer the question. Uh, yeah. You know, it'll, it'll probably be kind of a big thing for the first GM to do it, but I'm with AJ. Once it happens once, I think you'll start to see it in globs. It'll be the four minute mile. It'll be <laughs> four. I was trying to think of what it was a couple weeks ago that we were talking about that had that same kind of thing where once one person did it, everyone did it. And it was the four minute mile. This question, what do we see first, a female head coach player or a ref in the NHL? I think it's a ref. 
just because just because it's do. already they're, they're as Megan mentioned. I mean, there are uh, women officiating in the AHL already. And there's an assistant coach in the AHL. It's Jessica no. Campbell. And then, and then I think you'll see it. You'll we'll get a we'll get a female GM, and I actually that I do expect within the next five two years. years. Oh, I would, yeah. I mean, it could be. T- I mean, I think I think some of that uh, is going to depend on the success of the Kraken, mm. because they've got that. That's where like the like the hotbed of Canada for me for for candidates to be GM would. They they all mm. went to the they all went to Seattle. Yeah. Um, all right, so, let's let's yeah. uh, let's move on here because I do want to remind you guys about the Colorado Golf Association. Join over seventy thousand golfers with the Colorado Golf Association today, and receive an official USGA handicap with the worldwide access to score posting and GPS tracking. Membership means more at the CGA, and members get the opportunity to play exclusive courses around the state, such as Aspen Green Club, the uh, the club at Ravenna. Ravenna, Ravenna, I don't know. The Pinery and more. Members also gain access to exclusive uh, member content with offers and discounts from national and local companies. Learn more about the Colorado Golf Association today by visiting coloradogolf.org and use the code DNVR5 to get $5 off your membership. Again, that's coloradogolf.org and use the code DNVR5. Also want to remind you about my favorite, one of my favorites, one of Megan's favorites, Athletic Greens. Product I've literally started to use uh, most days. It'd be dishonest for me to say I'm every day a week. I'm just forgetful on stuff. Um, But I do, I I drink a glass of my AG1 uh, probably four to five days a week. So I'm pretty on top of it. Hannah is seven days a week. No questions asked. Rather just has the powder straight. Puts it in a smoothie. Megan, do you add anything to yours, or is yours just the AG uh, one powder and water, or do you spruce it up at all? I've been adding some lime and some ginger ice cubes that I oh, make. Yeah. Whoa! So it's, it's a unique little combo, but I think it's a good combo. A, yeah, I mean that the freezing into ice cubes and dropping it in—that's a it's a big brain it's move there. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's next level. <laughs> <laughs> I chopped up the ginger and boiled it in water and then froze the cu- it into cubes. Megan found a way to make AG1 even healthier somehow. <laughs> um, it has 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. Uh, again, seriously, I, I, it really does. It helps give me a little bit more energy. I'm not a coffee drinker. Uh, it helps me feel a little bit more sharp, a little bit more dialed in. Uh, throughout the day. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash avalanche. Again, it's athleticgreens.com slash avalanche to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Make sure to use that slash avalanche so they know that you guys... uh, Heard it here. Heard it here from the best. The best on the DNVR pod network. Uh, <laughs> okay. Our questions weren't loading. So I was like kind of panicking a bit. They like weren't <laughs> continuing to thread. And I was like, well, I was what is your favorite money. crime? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll do a couple more here. What are the questions? 
What? That was one of the questions. Somebody no, asked us. Yeah, I, was, I didn't um, know how to answer it, so I skipped vigilante it. Vigilante justice. What's you that? what? That's the perfect crime. Vigilante justice. People committing crimes to help other people. Yeah, right. I mean, wow. is, a, is a jury of your peers going to actually uh, actually convict you? That never goes <laughs> wrong. I mean, it's true. Batman's very popular. We have I'm not top Batman to, movies. I'm not trying to like put you on the spot and like embarrass you, man. But I can't tell you how much it cracks me up that earlier in the show, you really quick had only if you get caught and you had an immediate answer for what is your favorite crime. Now, your favorite crime was pretty like, that was pretty wholesome. Uh, <laughs> but, woo! That, uh... <laughs> that just all worked together a little too perfectly. I don't know uh, what you're saying. <laughs> what? I don't I don't see the I don't see it. I'm not gonna get there's no common thread here at all. There's no common thread. <laughs> Megan has definitely never beat up somebody trying to rob an old lady in an alley. <laughs> She's um, never swooped in with her gadgets and just been like Yeah. This is my city. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is my city. <laughs> at one biology today what is the best abs team to not win a cup 2002 that's my answer i don't know better i, I don't know about the 2002 team i would have said the year before last uh see i always hate this time of year because like is the cup season last season Oh, good the point. year before okay. last, so 56 game season. Yeah. Uh, if, if So, honestly, my list is probably 02, then the Korea Solani team, which I believe was the next year. I believe that was 02, 03, or was that 03, 04? Uh, I get those teams confused because I blacked out in a rage of disappointment. The 02 team... Then I believe it was the 04 team with Solani in Korea. And then my third would be that team, Megan, that the, the team that, that choked against Vegas. Um, yeah. yeah. Is probably my, my third answer in terms of 97 also hurts. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's another year where had, had they uh, gotten out of the conference final, they probably would have gone back to back. Um, uh, we don't talk about the '97 team much because of how it all went. Right. Like they, like they won, they won the President's Trophy. <laughs> like they would have, they would have smoked. <laughs> they would have <laughs> smoked Philadelphia. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it would have been Carolina super cool to see Lindros against the organization that he told the fuck off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It would have been such a cool storyline. Um, if you could pick your own goal song, what would it be? I hate this question because At there are Aaron's so many Ocean. good answers. Mm -hmm. Megan, do you have one? Um, I've always been saying the Macarena, so I feel like I have to stick with that. <laughs> God damn, Megan's just coming with the heat on every fucking answer today. That is so good. The Macarena is so good. I want something that gets the crowd involved, like Charlie Blackman's walk-up music. I feel like Macarena would do that. Yeah. 
I mean, before Charlie Blackman, there was Ryan Spielberg's walking up to uh, The Sweet Escape by Gwen Stefani. That's excellent. Yeah. And the whole crowd used to do, like, like do the thing sideways together, and it was... Um, I know everyone fun. hates it because of the WJC Canada kids, but I think them using that the Hey Baby, I think that one's great. I think it's so good. Is it the one that they use for, like, the seventh inning stretch at Rockies games? I believe yes. so. Oh, is it, is it, like, it's, it's a feel-good song. Yeah. And it's just like, again, because it's it just kind of gets the crowd. There's a little bit extra for the crowd in there. Um, I've always thought that was a good one. Um, all right. Then we'll end on this one. My At- real answer is I would pick a Taylor Swift song. That's amazing. <laughs> because it would be immediately recognized. It's guaranteed yeah. to be a banger. And everybody would enjoy it. Or Mr. Brightside. You know, whatever. Um- oh, my God. <laughs> He chose violence. Uh, we'll finish here with at turbo underscore donkey. If you could relive one abs season, which one and why? Uh, it would be this last season. Me too. And it would be as purely as a spectator. AJ took my answer. Um, Cosine. Co-sign and, it's on be- that. and it's because it's the greatest season in Avalanche history and probably always will be. It was the best regular season team that they've ever had and the most dominant postseason team that we've seen in a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's that's my answer exactly. Is I would just... I mean, like, we enjoyed, obviously, all the games and getting to be as close to it as we are. is It's It's incredible. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, I would just, I would love to be able to just experience that purely through the, the lens of a spectator. Um, you guys really want the roommate story. I just, the biggest problem, the biggest problem is that it's such a long story to really it, drive home what I had to go through. AJ and I will do it. We'll do a pod right before the season starts where we'll, we'll unpack the Tim Peel and then the yeah. roommate story. It'll be a uh, bonus pod, no advertising, yeah. and it'll be yeah. a side like this is like half an hour of stories that we promised you we would tell. Yeah, eventually. So we will get it to you. Um, Megan, do you have a do you have a, a relive? I have a question. Would I have the knowledge I have now going back into the future? Yes. I'd probably pick Matthew Shane's rookie season. It was one of the first seasons hmm. that I watched of Avalanche hockey, and I would know what's coming in the future. And I think I could just enjoy it more. Uh, I really thought when he scored that shootout winner in Vancouver, I was like, the future is here. This kid who grew up watching the abs, diehard abs fan, idolizing Joe Sackick, just sent the team to the playoffs. And I was like, done. Just raise the next, raise, raise a banner for the next oh. 10 years today. I would also like to give a special shout out to the 17-18 team because coming off the 48-point season, there were no expectations. And it was a team full of kids. Um, and it was a, it was just a really, every win felt great. Uh, that they were in the postseason race was a ton of fun. And then game 82 was an all-time great feel-good moment in Avs history. Even though it's just, oh, all they did was qualify for the postseason or whatever. 
I would have that similarly to the Matt Duchesne overtime goal in Vancouver. Difference being the game 82 happened in Denver. Mm-hmm. And so we got the crowd into it. You know, there was just a different vibe. And then the iconic moment, the iconic moment from each of those, Matt Duchesne celebrating by himself as he skates down the ice or the dog pile after mm-hmm. the empty net goal. Right. And to me, the dog pile meant more. So. Well, then I just remember too that the. the I love no. that Matt Duchesne memory. For the record, this is not me hating. I <laughs> love that memory. My. Uh... The 16, 17, or no, 17, 18 season. The one, whatever you were just talking about. Yeah. 17. Yeah. 17, 18. The, the now famous guts all over the place goal. <laughs> um, I actually was at then Pepsi Center. We were watching it on the, on the big board. And I just remember like the, the vibe in the crowd. Uh, when Andrew Ghetto put that rebound back, just there was there was just a it was still an uphill battle in that series, and people knew that they probably weren't going to win, mm-hmm. especially with all the injuries. There was a a different sense of optimism among Avs fans in that moment that I remember like clearly, where it's like, like you said, AJ, we just saw the game eighty two a week ago. We saw the dog pile, the, how close this team is. And the fact that they just battled against everything to stave off elimination. Like, against you could a just, great Nashville team. Right. You could just, you could feel it amongst fans that people are like, this is the start of what we've been waiting for. Like, this is the start of the contending team. And it's just so fun to see where it's gone. Maybe. I, oh. it, just real quick on that point, remembering that series, think of the contrast between your eighth seed avalanche against Nashville that year, the powerhouse Preds who were top seed and like rolled through the Western conference. Mm-hmm. And then what the Avs did to the Preds in this last postseason. <laughs> and think about what made those teams different. The heart that the yeah. Avs played with game yeah. five on the road in Nashville, Andrew yep. Hammond in net, no excuses, no bullshit got outplayed like crazy. And the only goal that they gave up was fucking kicked in (laughs) and should not have counted. And they scored two goals in the final, what, two thirty three minutes of that game. Something like that. And the, the, the game tying goal was this insane (laughs) chaotic mess of a sequence from all of Colorado's best players. And it was beautiful and, and messy. And it was all heart. And and then this comfort Andrew Ghetto like it just happened. It was this bolt of lightning that nobody saw coming. All of a sudden, they're on a two on one because JT Comfort blocks PK Subban's shot, and they get yeah. out on a two on one, and it's a it's a pass off the pads, and Andrew Ghetto puts it home, and all of a sudden you're just like, we yeah. were packed up. Yeah, we were writing the. I was literally writing the obituary. I was literally right. Like this was, this is going to be something that Avs fans should be proud of. This was incredible. This was great. Like what a, what a fun ride this was. And they gave us one last, I got tingles <laughs> all over my body. Remembering this, like they gave us like one last great memory that year. One last, like, and, and 
I remember the sadness in Pepsi Center when they got smoked in Game Six, mm-hmm. and Andrew Hammond and the good story and all the good feels completely fell apart. He played horribly, gave up soft goal after soft goal, and it was not a competitive game. And I just remember the last two minutes, uh, as the clock is winding down, they know the season is over and the crowd is going crazy. Yeah. Just saying, after what we went through last year, they were just saying, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for these memories. Thank you for this ride. Thank you for reminding us why we come to this place. Why this is the church of hockey for us. Why, Why this is such a meaningful experience for us. You guys... Everything a year ago was everything bad about sports. And a year later, it was it was all heart. It was all yeah. love. And it was such a great moment. And then being in the locker room was really tough because you got players crying. And you had a group that just – that was not a cup team. And yeah. they, they, they loved to play together mm-hmm. in a way that – I look, I just wasn't – we weren't in the locker room last year as often as in obviously nowhere near to that level. So we just didn't know how tight that group really was. Obviously, some of those guys were really, really tight. But I tell you, that 17-18 team loved to play hockey together. Mm-hmm. They loved that group. Those guys loved being a team. There were and it wasn't like it wasn't like these two guys here were buddies and this guy was the outsider, any of that. <laughs> It was it was 25 dudes that just loved being on the road and spending time and just being a team was something that they absolutely loved to do. And that was when <laughs> you really started to get an idea of like, this group could do something. Yeah. They've got such high skill already. And that's before. Kill McCarr hadn't even shown up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Maybe- it was... Mm-hmm. That thinking about that season, like just a great looking back on it. I I'm that year that year meant a lot from a hockey perspective. That year meant a lot just from you know professionally. It was such a fun year to cover. Yeah. Uh, it was during during BSN DNVR, like it was during our like rise to relevance uh, as an outlet. And so it'll always really have a, a super soft spot in my heart. Yeah. No, I'm I'm right there with you, dude. That that year was uh that was a really special year. Um, and, and it really did that, that game six loss. Like you said, that, that last, as the clock was winding down, just the way the crowd was reacting, you, you yeah. really did. You, you, you felt like this is, this is legitimately on, on the upswing the, the page is turned. Yeah. Uh, I think you hit the note perfectly. Uh, that, this maybe, comment is, this comment really drives it home too. That that's what makes this past year even better. Uh, how mm-hmm. hard they work to climb out of the hole and to be there every step of the way. It makes it more special. Uh, yeah. It's a great comment from Ty Tiger. Uh, uh, just a, just, it's great perspective. Yeah. Like it wasn't Seriously. like the Stanley, like, it wasn't like the Stanley cup fell out of the sky and they got really lucky. Like St. Louis did. There was building. There was, mm-hmm. there were painful moments along the way. There was yeah. fear. There were things that you were, Oh God, not again. And they didn't happen again. And that's what made it so rewarding when they broke through and it just good feels, good feels, good yeah. feels. Um, I'm with you. All the good feels, all the good feels around. Uh, good show to end the week. Thought we get, got some good questions in. Uh, we'll probably we talk about PTOs. 
We were supposed to talk about PTOs. Oh. PK Subban would be a great PTO. Calvin DeHaan oh. would be an even better one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, that's something that I'll be writing about in uh, weekly five on five is coming back starting on Monday. So you can start keeping an eye out for that. We are, uh, we had a nice meeting earlier this week. We are starting to get back on our uh, normal, n- regularly scheduled content schedule. Um, so you can start expecting to see that stuff hitting uh, hitting the site here very soon. We'll be talking about PTOs and training camp and preseason, all that stuff as we barrel ever closer to the start of the Avs title defense season. But we are going to get out of here like we said. Lost Megan, do some uh, some tech issues. Um, for Megan, for AJ, our boy Yaya uh, behind the glass, helping us out, making sure you guys can see us and hear us. We appreciate all you guys listening. As always, thank you so much for your participation as well. We'll be back at it on Monday. And until then, you guys all have a great weekend. 